This is episode 14 of the Rising Man podcast with Evan Legacy. Pump up the volume, yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rising Man podcast. I'm your host and creator of the show, Jedi Azuma. If you're a first time listener, welcome. I'm so glad that you decided to sit with us and to catch some of this wisdom and knowledge that we're throwing out here in the space for men. The community continues to grow. And the purpose of this show is to capture compelling stories from men who have made it from boyhood into manhood and who are on the other side ready to share all the beautiful wisdom that they've captured along the way. So sit tight if it's your first time. If you're returning and you haven't joined the Rising Man Facebook group yet, Pause right now. Go over to facebook.com slash groups slash The Rising Man. This is where we're continuing the conversations from every episode and diving deeper into the challenges and triumphs we each have as men. Last I checked, we were approaching 550 members strong. So sign up today. Bring a brother of yours in there as well. Let's get this community up to a thousand. Let's, let's, let's keep it growing. Let's keep it growing, fellas. Here we go. So before we dive into this week's episode, I wanted to take a moment just to emphasize to you guys how important this mission is to me. Because before I created this podcast, I was seeing men everywhere living their lives small, playing their lives small, not living into their full potential, not activating their fullness of their gifts. I still see men who are suffering behind a smile, who are hurting from the past, from the present, from what their future looks like. And I created this podcast, this community, and this channel to send the message that activating the power within every man is going to make a better future for our children, for our families, for our communities, for our world, all the way around. And so if you're listening to this and you're a man who knows that you're capable of more, if you have challenges in your life you just don't know how to overcome, my request is for you to reach out. Send a message to me on Facebook via email, jettyazuma at gmail.com. Let me help you find your next step because you don't have to figure out the whole solution. You just got to figure out what the next step is. And it's bigger than you. It's bigger than you. It's about your children. It's about your family, your spouses, your partners, your coworkers, the whole community. Seriously, guys. So uh, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Reach out so I can figure out a way to support you wherever you are at. All right. Without further ado, my guest for this week is a very special man. Evan Legacy defines himself as a physique doctor, truly one of a kind. He blends his extensive bodybuilding, fitness and nutrition background with a holistic view of our body, mind and spirit. For the past year, Evan has been on a journey of self-discovery and deepening a purpose, which has led him to follow his heart all over the world, literally all over the world. And now his focus is on approaching every moment, every conversation, and every opportunity with love and compassion from his highest self. Evan's a superstar, you guys. He's a father. He is a uh, personal trainer. He would call himself a a physique doctor, a coach. Uh, He really helps people break through the obstacles they have on so many different levels. In this episode, we talked about learning to live in alignment with our highest purpose, uh, the trap of comparing ourselves to others. I, I know that we all do this, especially as men. The first thing we do is walk into a room and size each other up. Um, and and why that can be a trap for some of us. Uh, How to use our obstacles and challenges as an opportunity to learn. This is something we've talked about on the show before, and Evan has a really great, unique perspective on it. And another one that hasn't come up on the show yet, fathering a son after divorce. So for any of you men who are have gone through a divorce or are going through a divorce, um, some good insights at the end of this episode for you. So without further ado, 
I present to all of you guys, Evan Legacy. All right, Evan, my man, welcome to the Rising Man podcast. It's great to have you on for the first time, bro. Jetty, it is amazing to be on here with you. I'm uh, super excited to not only engage with you, but uh, for this opportunity to connect and share this message with your entire audience. I'm truly happy and I feel blessed to uh, to be here today. Awesome, man. Uh, thank you. Yeah, so grateful to have you on here because you have so much unique wisdom to offer to this particular audience. And you've currently been on a really incredible journey, which we'll get to eventually. But first and foremost, let me start off by asking you the question I ask every one of my guests. And that is, what is the difference between a boy and a man? Mm. Okay. You know, this is uh, listening to your other interviews. I knew this was coming. And in thinking about it, what I really came to think specifically is the fact that, you know, we are all boys in development, that over time, through the course of our lives, we have an opportunity to continually work on that boy and to become our potential selves. And what that really means to me is the fact that when we start living in our truth, that we become a man. And as a man living in our truth, we learn more and more every day as we focus on that truth. And we get to a point where we are living in process of becoming our potential. And that potential is something that I don't believe is ever going to be achieved. But by being in process, we are actually perfect even in our imperfections. To me, being a man is truly living in process of doing that work, of living our truth and being our highest self. Mm. That's really cool, man. So you say being a man is living in your truth and being in the process of that unfolding. Then what is a boy doing? If he's not, li- if he's not yet living in his truth, what is he living in? So I see a boy as someone who is still being impacted by the world around him and just reacting, responding. And a lot of people, a lot of men, you know, in the general sense of the word man, exist like that their entire lives. We have an opportunity to make that shift at some point in our lives whenever it comes into our awareness that we have a choice in how we act and how we live and what we point our thoughts and emotions towards. So a boy is somebody who is still searching. And I like to say that, you know, because there's probably people in the audience that can maybe resonate with, uh, you know, being in my definition of where a man's at and being in the process from that point forward. And maybe some people are like, oh, you know, I haven't gotten there yet. I haven't done it. So, you know, if you're still in that stage where maybe you'd be defined as a boy, you know, in this sense, then, you know, the, the beautiful thing is that when your awareness Um, becomes a reality about this, you can actually immediately make that shift just by desiring to live in your truth. And it's nothing complicated because you don't have to be perfect day by day. So boys are in process of becoming men as long as we're pointed towards our truth. And Mm -hmm. uh, I'll probably say it multiple times in this conversation, but, you know, I really, really like the word alignment. When we're in our truth, we are in alignment and um, we know it. Like it's nothing that you have to guess about. Um, our bodies have a have a divine connection, and we get a divine understanding and signal from our bodies that we are in alignment or we're not in alignment, and we are living our truth or we're not living our truth. You know that I should go to this party and you know go crazy and do a bunch of drugs, or I shouldn't. You know, mm-hmm. and 
if you feel like you shouldn't and you do, then you're not living your, in your alignment and you're going to have a bunch of challenges that are going to face you because of it so you can learn that lesson. So day by day, we have opportunities left and right to live in our truth and be men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great, man. I, lo- I love the word alignment. I love the word truth. And, and just in case there's someone who's listening to this that doesn't vibe with that terminology, how would you define living in your truth or, or what you say is alignment? Mm-hmm. So another way to say it would be living in your high self, towards your high self, always pointing in that direction. Another way to say it would be feeling good about who you are and the decisions that you're making. Mm-hmm. Another way to say it would be when we experience challenges in our lives of any sort, you know, from the smallest challenge to really, really big situations um, that might cause us any form of suffering, that we have an ability to pull back into feeling good, which Mm -hmm. is alignment. Mm -hmm. So um, I believe that what we're called to do on this earth is to find ways to pull back to alignment faster and faster as our life rolls on. So as we experience more challenges, the goal is to recognize the challenge, recognize the contrast, whatever you want to call it, and then pull back the truth as quickly as possible. Mm. And that becomes a pattern because we are conditioned beings that most of the things that we do, whether we realize it or not, are conditioned habits or patterns. So what we need to do is recognize the patterns that aren't serving us and then break those patterns by reframing new ones that point towards our truth, when we feel good, Mm. when we feel our best, when we are pointed at our potential. Yeah, that's good, man. That's a really great distinction. And I think I also feel compelled to say, as we are talking about the distinction between a boy and a man, that there's nothing wrong with being in the boy phase, or as I like to call it, I think of it as there's boyhood, there's becoming manhood. To me, that's like the in-between journey. And then there's manhood. And so there's nothing wrong with that. So if there's anyone listening that finds themselves in that place, it's just a stage of development. And if the quicker you can recognize and identify that that's where you are, the more empowered you are to in, incorporate some of the distinctions you're saying, like finding what is your truth? Mm. What are you aligned with? What are the clues that point you in the direction of your destiny? Absolutely, Jody. I'm so glad you said that because you know even us speaking in this way um, presents an opportunity for any listener to fall victim to comparing Mm -hmm. and comparing is something that's still part of the boy side of things. (laughs) So, you know, when we reach our, when we are pointed towards our highest selves, comparing one conscious being to another conscious being is actually useless. It doesn't serve our greatest outcomes and it slowly becomes, as we recognize this, something that we don't do anymore. You know, we recognize that everybody's on their own individual walk on their, in their own process. And, you know, that should be an empowering idea where we actually get to no longer compare ourselves or our self-talk is no longer from a negative comparison. And then our external representation of that is going to be, we no longer compare or judge others. Mm -hmm. So if you catch yourself as a man, we all want to be men. We all want to get to this place or else you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. If you catch yourself judging anybody in any walk of life for whatever reason, check yourself. That external judgment is only a reflection of internal judgment that's also taking place. Mm. And if you're judging internally, then we have to backtrack this and we have to realign ourselves with our truth and, um, and actually love ourselves more because 
that's uh, that form of self-judgment is only going to hold you hold you back. I love that one, man. That's like a nice little hundred dollar tip right there is <laughs> if you find yourself comparing yourself to someone else, hold it, like put up the stop sign and just like reevaluate where's that coming from. And and we all do it, too. I mean, I, I, I still find myself at moments like getting into the comparing game and mindset and um it's it's definitely connected to a less mature part of myself and i and i know everybody does it too so it's a mm-hmm. good good mile marker to share man that's awesome yeah <laughs> um so cool so uh transitioning out of that dialogue which is awesome by the way um tell us a little bit about evan the boy so that the audience can get to know you more what were some of the challenges you faced what were some of the things that came up for you at that stage phase of your life i um in relaying this story to others because i'm very open about sharing my experiences for the sake of helping others. Part of my truth is being in service to others um, and impacting them in ways to provide healing. So to relay my story, my uh, transition from boyhood to manhood, I would say that a reoccurring theme is the fact that I was always attracting negative energy. I was always attracting a lot of challenges. Anybody uh, who knew me growing up or that, you know, I played hockey, played hockey against um, would agree that I've been in a lot of physical confrontations, a lot of fights. And um, looking back, thinking about all of these situations through my life, I never felt like I was a provoker trying to start a fight, like, or doing anything that was wrong, but these situations would find me. And, you know, from a young age, very young age. And it, um, it was something that always made me on guard. Like I had a fear or worry that I had to be on guard, that I had to protect myself, that I had to, um, to really be super aware of my surroundings and situation at all times. And if I felt that negative energy around me, then I would actually give it attention because now I'm paying attention to it and I'm on guard for it. And what I realized over time was that by giving it attention, by focusing on it, I was giving that energy momentum and I was attracting it to me. So um, that's the reason why, you know, between a lot of street fights and a lot of hockey fights, like these things happened all the time. And, you know, the, my childhood was, um, and this, you know, really, really amplified through my teenage years, but it was a really, if you want to say dark time, because every time I got into a physical confrontation, right or wrong, I would experience that confrontation emotionally for a period of time after. So, you know, especially when, you know, I was proficient at, um, you know, this. So, you know, in hockey, you know, we're playing every weekend. And if you get in a fight every weekend, you don't shake that fight all week. So like, I'm carrying that with me emotionally for years nonstop, because it just didn't end. And, um, and that was, uh, something that I wasn't even aware was going on, but I felt off. So that was one recurring theme that was just like steadily there through my childhood that, that was part of my boy just responding and reacting. Like I said earlier, like as a boy, we just respond and react and we're doing what we think we need to do. Um, whereas the recognition that I was actually being taught a lesson here. You know, so I capture it in very general terms now to try to share it with people so they can understand because we all experience things in different ways. What I tell people is, and they can think about this in in their own lives in any way, if you want to say darkness is always trying to capture light and that those energies were um, coming at me as a kid, 
it was something that I recognized as, uh, as bringing about fear, worry, anxiety. And those are the feelings that we're carrying even post fight, if you want to say. So in that, it was in that recognition, it allowed me to really see something else going on here that I had a choice on how I was going to respond to these things, these situations um, whenever they arose. So I would say in my early 20s, it led to a culminating situation. I've never shared this publicly. Very few people have ever even heard this. I was in university. Um, I was playing hockey university. I moved to Canada to do so. I was in the capital city in Ottawa. And uh, I was dating a girl from back home in Pennsylvania at the time. It must have been maybe two months into school there. She came up to visit me. And I was you know, living in a hockey house you know, with a bunch of my teammates and um, everybody was going out. I think it was Saturday night. And uh, you know, we ended up at you know, a bar that was very welcoming to the hockey team and everything was fine. And you know, the, my higher self said to my girlfriend, let's get out of here early before things get crazy. You know, like, let's just you know, maybe grab some food and then go back to the place and, and chill. So she agreed and we walked out of the place. I was holding her hand and we walked across the street. Um, you know, the major intersections, York Street there in Ottawa, and then walked halfway down the next block. And there was a guy that sort of came out of like a corner along the buildings. And he basically shot out a little bit. And he just started mouthing her and saying really derogatory things to her. And the boy in me immediately had that like fear and worry arise. But I was also with her and I'm not going to put her in a, you know, um, a negative scenario. So uh, I just said, Hey, buddy, beat it. And he's like, and then his response was, oh, yeah. And then he started staggering at, at me. So he was trained in that I saw that he was trying to, like, find my, my center of gravity, you know, by going side to side as he was coming at me. So, like, I just braced back and prepared myself for a physical confrontation again. Um, I left the bar early that, that night, so nothing bad would happen. Here we go. <laughs> so I pulled myself back to get ready. And then I got grabbed by his buddies from behind that I didn't even see. There was, uh, there was two of them that grabbed me from behind, like by the neck and the arms. And the guy in front of me um, took three big steps and kicked me in the balls like a soccer ball. And, um, and that kick was so intense. Um, I was basically being pulled into the middle of a busy street by his friends. It was like I got kicked and dragged. And like everything, like my whole body just sort of went numb from the kick. I could tell immediately that it was bad, but I was still in like, you know, high, high adrenaline mode. And, you know, I was like pulling the guys from behind me over top of me and like, just like basically trying to control and get everything to the front. And then the second I got both the guys to the front, we all got tackled by police officers. A bunch of people were on the street. They saw what happened. I wasn't in any trouble. There was a lot of witnesses and I um, was in so much pain that I couldn't feel myself down there that like, I felt like I needed to pee and I couldn't pee. And, you know, the people, there was, you know, an ambulance there and they're like trying to like check on me and talk to me. And I'm like, this is so wrong. Like, I don't feel right at all. And basically, you know, went home that night, put it on ice and, um, and try to sleep it off. I woke up the next day, I couldn't pee, you know, and then I still couldn't feel anything. And the next day, like, I could just like tinkle a little bit, like get a little pee out, but like couldn't feel anything. And obviously like, you know, from a toxic point of view, like this isn't good. And then finally, uh, on the third day, I was able to, like, with a lot of effort, pee. And if you think about it, if you can barely pee, you're 
barely going to be able to do anything else with your manhood. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, I basically from that couldn't feel anything for months and I couldn't connect to myself. I couldn't get a heart on for months, you know, and this Mm -hmm. situation lasted for basically like a year, you know, and, you know, as a 20 year old guy, that just was such like a, a twist on, you know, who I was, what I was supposed to be able to do and everything. It, um, it was a very challenging situation. Mm-hmm. You know, that, uh, that situation itself completely changed me. You know, I, I would say that now looking back, um, though there were some dark times, you know, associated with it, that it taught me a lot. It made me, it made me realize that there was a lot more to uh, relationships even than just, you know, the physical or sexual side of things. And, and then also it taught me to be really in control of my thoughts because that was a psychological and physical struggle. So the physical side of that in terms of like what the trauma um, and how that blocked me. But once the trauma was, if you want to say healed, psychologically, I just went through a period of time where I couldn't use it. So that struggle and that uh, negativity in terms of my self-talk was impacting all of that for a time to come after. So, um, you know, it was definitely something huge that I had overcome. It was a huge challenge you know, the connecting everything. It's like, yeah, all of that got me to a point where I said, something is, you know, being shown to me here. I've always had this feeling that, you know, we, we all have not only divine connection inside ourselves, but we have, um, we have things that we're supposed to learn that are being shown to us. And I always had this feeling that that was the case. So um, giving this some sort of purpose, like, what am I supposed to learn from this? And basically all that reflection brought me to the idea that I don't have to be a victim to my external circumstances anymore, Mm. that no matter what kind of energies around me, that I don't need to be at risk because of them, that I have the ability to choose to deflect them. So at that point, it was a massive breakthrough to me that I was I became aware of, and I embraced the fact that I could deflect any of those negative energies that were coming at me. So um, that was a huge change. So I went through multiple years where I'd see a situation coming, and then I would empower myself. I I kept on telling myself, like, all right, I got my shield on, I got my happy bubble on, like, anything that's going to come around me to knock me off of this, like, I'm just going to deflect it. You know, I'm going to use you know, I'm going to use words to get around it. I'm going to change my body language to deflect it. I'm going to move myself physically, you know, whatever it took. And it worked and it was empowering. Like, okay, like I can, I can do this. So went through years of that and very few fights happened since then. A couple occurred, but it was, you know, just due to me not, um, me not developing myself far enough yet. So Mm -hmm. the far enough yet, I would say is to where I am now which is the fact that I not only can see situations coming now, when I recognize that, sure, I can deflect it, but I go deeper than that. I know without a doubt that there isn't anything that can occur in my external world that can truly affect me mm. and that I actually have power to affect my entire external world instead. Mm. So now situations don't even find me. So for me, the drastic shift here was the fact that I couldn't get away from situations in the past, but when I changed, when I worked on myself, when I went through challenges in a really, really dark time, 
that through that lesson and through that dark time, I was able to change my perspective on things, change the way that I acted, change the way that I thought and change my emotional state to point myself in a direction that was going to better serve me. And it created a better me towards my higher self that had more power over my external world and not power in a bad way, but power in a way of like now I approach the entire external world from a place of unconditional love. And it's amazing. And that goes for somebody who might be trying to fight me, you know, or that doesn't like me, um, uh, an adversary or, you know, whatever you want to call anybody in my walk. Mm -hmm. There's, I have now a sense of compassion for all of that. I literally try to ground my state and my heart in unconditional love for all. And getting to that place has been so monumental in terms of what I've been able to be capable of. And that goes back to what we were talking about not long ago in terms of that bliss state and that flow state. By being in this space, I'm maintaining a continuous state of bliss through any chaos that occurs around me. And it's been so rewarding and so affirming, if you will, that bit by bit, every time this happens, you develop more faith in the process. So I'm sold. Like I drank the Kool-Aid, like this unconditional <laughs> love thing for the world around me, like this stuff works. This and I'm not going to put the cup down. I'm just going to keep on chugging it. <laughs> <laughs> right on, man. Right on. Well, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot to unpack there. And there, I think there's some really good juice. Um, I'm thinking about men out there who might be hearing this and, and identifying with, damn, I'm the kind of guy that trouble just seems to find me. Like I can really relate to Evan's story. So, so speaking to someone in that position, who continuously finds themselves in trouble, whether they're starting it themselves or not, what do you say to that individual to help them find their way out of it? I would tell them to look inside first anytime they're alerted by the external world. Something's happening around you. It's a signal of something that's actually occurring inside you too. So with that comes the idea of taking radical responsibility for everything that occurs in your life, mm. good and bad. Even if it looks from the, from anybody who's rationally looking in objectively that you are just 100% the victim in the scenario, I'm mm. still going to tell that person, take radical responsibility for this occurring to you. Mm. And that's cool because that, that relates right back to your definition of a boy as a boy is someone who reacts and they don't, they don't choose how they want to respond. They don't take that level of responsibility. It's also something that at this point, probably a dozen men have come on this show and shared that when they describe the difference between a boy and the man is the absence of taking responsibility for everything that happens in their world. And I, it's funny, I get a flash of uh, being a boy myself and then also the boys that I work with down in LA who, you know, they get into a scuffle and immediately, you know, the teacher or the authority comes over and asks what happened and they start pointing at each other or saying, well, he did this or he said that. It's classic. It's classic behavior. So um, I'm yep. glad you really point out that. And the just this conversation, it's, it's been mentioned really briefly in one other interview on the show, the one I did back, uh, the third episode with Phil, was all about, uh, there was, we talked a little bit about victimhood. And so where does victimhood have its place and how does that relate to this conversation of becoming a man and being the man we want to be? Mm, that ties into taking radical responsibility. So it's easy to label yourself a victim, right? But number one, is that true? And even if it is, does it matter if you're a victim or not? You know, so if we're trying to label ourselves as a victim, then what we're really doing is seeking some sort of, some sort of external justification about whatever occurred. 
So if I'm the victim, the only reason why I'm telling myself I'm the victim is because I need, like, I'm, I'm seeking, you know, emotional support or acceptance or something outside of me that makes me feel better about what happened. When you do the opposite, when you take the route that a man takes and you take radical responsibility and you leave being a victim back at, in your old self, who was a boy, you no longer need desire or even care for external justification for something that happens. And then you also find ways to process it in a more impactful way for your personal growth and development. And it's empowering in that you realize through your entire walk of life that nothing in the external world can actually shake you from your path. Mm-hmm. So it goes back to like that strong definition of being a man, which is like living in your truth. If you're a person who believes that there's all sorts of things that can happen around me in the world that can do things to me that are out of my control, that can make me feel bad or make me or hurt me or anything, any sort of suffering, then you're stuck in that mindset and that's your life. And then you're limited on your ability to actually have pointed control over your path and alignment. Mm -hmm. So I think it's absolutely essential to come to this place of understanding in order to truly accelerate and have momentum towards your your highest self and your potential to release any sense of victimhood and to embrace the fact that everything that happens to you is your responsibility. You put yourself there. Somehow, even if you're the complete victim, you were still there. You still opened that door. You still went to that club. You still married that person, right? Yeah, man. That's that's another one of those $100 tips right there, man. If if there is a guy in his teens or early 20s right now who can accept the fact accept responsibility for everything he calls into his life and write a story about, well, this is happening for me, not to me, and just really begin to live into that. It's like, oh my God, man, that would have saved me a decade worth of <laughs> worth of experiences right, right. and struggles and strife to go through. So oh, um, I really hope, yeah, I really hope that, you know, that there are some young listeners here that embrace these things because, you know, I'm just happy that I learned this, you know, and I got to this place at this age, but if we can impact a generation who can walk into their twenties with these ideas and having awareness that this is the ideal path for a man, then we're now completely shifting the whole way humanity is going to end up being over time. You know, so there's so much potential in our, in the next generations to come to live in their truth and to become their highest selves and that potential is actually greater than ours. So it's our responsibility to share. And that's why I love what you're doing here. You know, like you're creating a platform, you've created a platform for, for men to share all the gems that they've established along their path to other people who are in their process, who are in development, who care about becoming better, you know, and, and I always tie in becoming better with, that unfolding process. It's not something that's external. You're not becoming something that you're not. You're becoming something that you actually fully are. It's an unfolding to that potential that you were born with. You were perfect. Your soul was perfect when you were born. Mm. And we were confused through our our upbringing into um, adapting to this material world and adapting to culture and its expectations and learning all those lessons that integrate us into this dimension 
And then the process of becoming a real man, a powerful human being that can impact others and, and spread and share love and be looked at as uh, not only a role model, but somebody who is a pleasure to be around, you know, and that like, you know, to, to be that is the goal, right? But to do that, it's, not, it's an unfolding away from what we've been taught back to our fullest potential inside. So everybody needs to know that you don't become something that you're not, you're actually becoming something that you already are. That is so empowering when you realize that and it starts becoming your process, then you become limitless potential. Yeah. And I, I love that message, man. I can, I'm, I'm so glad that the conversation went that way because it's something we really haven't opened up on this podcast yet. And, you know, I, I also want to say just a little bit of my own experience is that a lot of the story of victimhood is cultural. It's ancestral. In fact, I grew up in a, in a New Jersey Italian family, like my mom's side of the family. It was almost, it, it was a status. Who has the most drama? Whose life is the hardest? Who's got it worse? And, and it, become, it became almost like a sub- conscious competition amongst my my mom and her siblings and the rest of the family who's got more drama and then blow that out expand it just out of my own family look at the news every story they even use the word victim a hundred times in one hour news segment to talk about who was the victim here who was the aggressor and it it seems to violate everything that we admire about the heroes in our society because the hero like you said is unshakable He's the guy who knows who he is. He knows what his life's about. Whatever it comes across his path is not going to change who he is. And that's what I hear you describing in this unfolding is you identify who you are and you never let go of that. Yeah. And, and, and then we're also not perfect. And there's things that might shake us off, but those are our lessons, you know? So that's what I look at with love and compassion now. Like when those things happen, I'm like, wow, you know, I, I'm still in process and I'm still going to go towards that. And it's never going to stop. You know, what you said there made me think about a concept that, uh, that I wanted to share coming into this. I thought about it um, as something that's vitally important to everybody, men and women alike, but it's how we frame our story. So framing our story is not only what we say externally to other people, but it's also how we talk to ourselves. So our self-talk is going to impact our beliefs and it's going to impact how we end up in, uh, uh, relating and interacting with the rest of the world around us. So uh, I think a lot of people, what I find in my coaching practice, end up having discrepancies between their the story they tell others and the story they're actually telling themselves. So, and the story that we tell ourselves is way, way, way more important than the story that we tell others. But I feel like in order to truly walk with confidence that I think a man needs to have um, in order to embrace his power, that we need to have alignment between the story we tell ourselves and the story we tell others. Mm -hmm. And that involves being vulnerable. That involves being open, heart open, and, and really having a high degree of self-love in order to really understand, you know, what's happened in our lives, where it's brought us to and what that means for our future. So, you know, I think simple concepts and I'm just going to go off the cuff with this, but like, simple concepts such as the things that have happened to you in your life, no matter how dark or bad, you know, are divinely placed there for us to get to a higher truth or a brighter place of light and love. That if we can, as a universal concept, every man say, 
you know what? I don't care what it is. We might the worst thing that's ever happened to each of us, every listener here, the worst thing that's ever happened to me. That thing was meant for me to become better than I could have been if it didn't. Mm. And if we hold on to that, embrace it, and use that idea to frame our story about how we talk to ourselves about our life and our purpose and our calling and what we're doing on a daily basis and how we're interacting with our friends and our family and the rest of the world around us. And then we bring that, that truth to the rest of the world around us, then we completely shift out of victimhood, Mm. right? Because in that framing of our story, we let that go and we take radical responsibility, right? And then the beautiful part about it is that no matter what you believe, you know, you (laughs) when I say believe, you know, when I'm talking about, uh, you know, spirituality or religion or anything, it could be whatever you believe, you now have a divine connection in your story that there's something greater, you know, call it God, call it, you know, the, the universe, universal consciousness, whatever you want, that you are now one with it in your journey. So embracing that, I think should be a universal truth towards manhood. Mm. And I, I couldn't agree with you more, man. You know, one of the things that I speak to a lot of, um, not just young guys, just guys who are not yet, who haven't found that cloud parting, light shining right into your chest alignment, um, is to is to keep looking for those things that that fit into the greater portrait of your life. Keep keep exploring and being curious about what it is that you truly resonate and align with. And hearing hearing what you're saying, it's it's a really great way to frame it up for people that what's more powerful than declaring that you are the author of your story. You're the one who is writing what your experience means. You're either telling a tragedy or a triumph story. And which one are you get which one are you decided to tell based on what's happening cuz stuff's going to happen anyway. Like everybody's going to get some stuff on them in life. So for sure, no matter no matter how good things are going, there's something that's going to happen every like every time to everybody. No exactly. in advance. And also, what would happen if you lived an an impeccable life or uh, a perfect life, quote, I'm I'm doing air quotes here, where none of this stuff happened to you? What would you have to give, right? Your light would be very dim, Mm. right? So, you know, we when we experience darkness, our ability to rise above and shine a brighter light occurs because of it. So Mm. that's the way I always see that. So like embrace the challenges. Mm. Now, I didn't I didn't know we were going to go here, but something that you and I both share is that we're both dads and we're both dads to sons. And so, yes, being on this side in our own journey of, man, of you know, boy, the becoming man, manhood, we can see the value of having had challenges in our lives, going through some really dark stuff and emerging on the other side with something to give. Now, I'll say for myself, I have I still have a hard time of like wishing challenge upon my son. So I wonder, like, how do you hold that knowing that you've got a boy who's, I believe you said he's t- nine, ten? He's going to be nine in May. He's going to be nine in May. Okay, so he, he's, he's on the cusp of it. It's going to happen in no time where all of a sudden he's going to be facing these things that you, that you did that all young men do. So mm-hmm. how do you hold that as a father to a son? As a father, I think it becomes very complex in that all of our situations are different. I was another really... Uh, dark time for me was dealing with the um, the divorce and separation between myself and his mom, and um, and you know within the the court system, um, not getting many rights around um, around him and time with him, 
So um, my role shifted um, because of it. And I think he's obviously dealt with a lot of challenges because of it too. So um, my approach with him might be a little bit different than other fathers or what other fathers are called to do. Um, but, you know, he has, you know, had a lot of, um, I guess, he, I guess he would say he's had a strict upbringing, you know, on his mom's side. So when he's with me, I care about having very um, heart open and um, stress-free, very um, ease-filled time with him where um, he doesn't have to stress anything. You know, however that might play out, I think that, uh, you know, the traditional male role of being a disciplinarian or holding that line of what a father might supposed to be um, is something that I'm not called to do with him. So, you know, I was just with him over Easter and uh, I was sharing with Preston, actually, who you've already interviewed here. Um, uh, you know, when he asked about it just yesterday, you know, how, to, how did it go? Um, and I said to Preston, it was the most amazing uh, trip that I've ever had with him. And, um, and so he obviously inquired to why. And, and I said, because there were two times in those period of, uh, you know, roughly seven days where um, he was able to um, experience discomfort and his discomforts around doing something wrong. Like he gets very, he would, you know, get very um, uh, stressed out about doing something wrong. And then he'd want to run away from it or not talk about it and get very anxious about it. So um, I've obviously recognized this over time and I always just try to like bring ease back. And, um, but it would always end up with him just getting like feeling isolated by it, no matter what would happen, even if it wasn't projected on him. So in, in this visit, um, we were actually able to have situations arise twice where that would have occurred. And in those scenarios, you know, through just sharing, um, you know, love in my space and from my heart that he was able to, experience that if you want to say initial anxiety and then calm down and actually communicate about what happened i was just like so so touched about having that occur um and twice that um that i knew at that point that my consistent effort to just be love you know and to take that route that was the right the right decision it was confirmation for me so mm. um you know in better directing an answer towards your question. Um, our scenarios are so drastically different and other fathers out there, um, who knows what people's situations are look like. And, you know, we're all going to be called to do something probably a little bit different, um, or maybe very different depending upon what's occurred in the dynamics of that relationship. But if we become our potential selves, if we're striving towards that and living in our highest light, then, our answers are not only going to be provided, but they're going to come with clarity mm -hmm. and we get to be that as an example. And I think that, you know, the easiest way, the best way, rather not the easiest, the best way to impact others is by leading by example, by being something that's so drastically different than what they're used to, that it eventually is something that they notice and mm -hmm. it's something that they desire or that they're curious about. So what we have to do as men, especially when we have kids, is really, really focus on that self-work, really work on the unfolding of ourselves into our potential for the sake of our kids. So they get to see that where they don't carry the baggage of mom and dad fight all the time. And, 
you know, and then this is what happens to me and then I'm not happy and they don't love me or whatever else. Like, like kids are just going to create dramas, even if like, it's not exactly true about what's occurring from your experience, who knows what your child's thinking due to dramatic situations. They might catch three words that you say out of a thousand and hold on to those for 18 years. We don't know, you know, so there is no right or wrong answer, but I think we're only going to find our best possible solutions by really focusing on that work and becoming the best men that we can be. Yeah, man. <laughs> I mean, what I, what I feel compelled to say right now is anyone who's listening to this, I want you to back up about four to five minutes and listen to what Evan just laid on us again, because so much in there that I, I was missing in the beginning, because my son's two and a half now, about what it means to be a father and what it means to have context for your relationship to your son. You know, we all get passed down things from our parents, from our mentors, from our teachers that are modeled for us, like you said, um, you know, good or bad, if you want to put those labels on them. And we, if we don't crack the code, then we inevitably become those things. And so the unique role we have as parents, especially fathers to sons, is we can crack that code ourselves, so that we never pass that on to our son and then our grandson and then our great-grandson and then the, the beings that come from our family line that we will never get to see in person won't have to deal with that stuff. Because you, you know, some of this stuff just gets passed along. And so um, I, I'm glad that you shared that. And I just want to reinforce how Absolutely. important that is, because if nothing else you do in this life, then have a positive influence on your children and the children around you, you've lived a successful life, period, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and bringing that up, the word success, how we define it, I think is also related to being our potential selves and, and being the man that we're called to be. We all have different definitions of what that is. And that actually came up in a con random conversation I was in earlier today too. Um, but when we define success in terms of what's happening in the material world around us, the external world, whatever you want to call it, um, and that could be anything from money to you know, how much friend, how many friends we have or how, or how much women respond to us, then we're actually living blind. And I highly urge every man to just take pen to pad. And tonight, just right before bed, as your momentum's slowing and you're in a good state, to close your day by defining success for yourself from within. So what does it mean to you from inside yourself? So what, what, you know, what kind of belief systems, like what, what really matters? Um, you know, where, where do you want to take yourself? You know, what is success to you from the inside without anything else in the material world? Yeah, that's beautiful, man. And any, as the guys are listening to this, I encourage you guys, when you write that up and you get that really clear, share that in the rising man Facebook group, because myself, Evan's in there, you know, other guys will comment and support you in that and, and being visible around it is one of the most critical things. Um, that's, that's like a whole nother topic that we, that we oh, could yeah. talk about oh, another yeah. time, but <laughs> visibility around the things that matter to you so that people can say, Hey, what happened, bro? How come, how come you're not living up to number five on this list here? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That, um, that accountability is huge. And just having, having people around us that are living in the same light, 
makes a big difference. Um, I think a lot of us as we might want to live our truths or do something that we think we're supposed to do instead of going with what we know we shouldn't do, um, end up doing it because we don't have others doing the same. And at first it's a little uncomfortable because we're used to just going with the flow of what everybody else is doing. So um, anybody who's listening, you know, whether you end up chiming in right away or not, um, definitely in, like join the group, <laughs> you know, just join the group and, and, you know, look at what everybody's sharing, you know, and I guarantee you that there are going to be um, people who are experiencing similar things to you. And there are going to be people sharing lessons that they learned. They're going to be applicable to you that this group is going to provide you um, a channel for your progress, you know, and, and that's not just like, Oh, you know, we're helping people here. It's the fact that this is a path that you're going to get support and you're going to get messages from. And if you're depending upon your perspective, like it's, it's going to give you divine messages that align with your truth. So um, I encourage everybody, even if you're not going to chime in on the conversation, just to join the group, you know, add it to what's, what's it called, Jetty, when you add it to like your, the top of your list, you see everything. Your, your shortcuts, your shortcuts. Yeah. So just like add it to like, it's top of your feed that you're always seeing what's going on <clears throat> and it's going to change your life. Because I know just from personal experience that we don't always have a lot of people in our circle. And we're, especially when we're in the beginning stages of this development of moving towards real manhood, that we're isolated. You know, that is the biggest challenge. Mm -hmm. And then what ends up happening and this group is going to provide that as well um, for all of you. But what ends up happening is as we work on ourselves and we become closer to our potential selves as a man, then you end up attracting other people who are vibrating at that same frequency, you know, and then you end up developing amazing friendships. And, you know, um, and Jebby, like our connection is just like that. It's just like, I'm, I feel so blessed in the fact that I have so many amazing people in my life now, whereas I can look back 10 years ago and be like, there's some, there's some like cool people, you know, in my circle, I have some, <laughs> some cool friends, you know, whereas now I can say like, I have some truly amazing people who are working on themselves and sharing and impacting others, like in my circle. And, and I, and by the work that you're doing on yourself and, and, and within, you know, how you share, um, to others, it's making me raise my bar too, you know, and call it, you know, call it a game, you know, like <laughs> it's a game of unfolding, you know, into our potential. And it's just so exciting. And it's the most important game that we can play as men. We like to play games, you know, we like to play sports. I played sports at a high level and it was fun and all, but this game is exhilarating. Mm. Boom. That's a, that's, that's a mic drop right there, man. We can, <laughs> that's the one, man. It really is. It's a, it's a game. And, and we, they say, a lot of people have heard this before, but you are the sum of the five people that you spend the most time around and couldn't, couldn't uh, find truer words, man. So awesome. Well, you know, it's clear that we're going to have to have another conversation in the future because you're such a well of wisdom and so actively engaged in your unfolding, your experience of life and, so generous with the way that you share, man. I really appreciate how uh, transparent and vulnerable you've been in this conversation. So um, as we begin to close this chapter of Jetty and Evan on The Rising Man, let's, uh, let me ask you a few questions. Um, yeah. The first one is, what is one thing you wish you learned or knew when you were 18 that you've learned up till now? I would frame it um, in the beautiful words of Don Miguel Ruiz, 
as being impeccable with your word mm. and being impeccable with your word. I believe he wrote that in, uh, in the four agreements, which is a quick and easy read. That's truly incredible for anybody who wants a, a quick read. That's going to have a big impact. Um, but it's not just about, you know, making sure that you're saying the right things to the world around you, but it's really about the power of words and how you speak to yourself. I think we have, uh, um, a big problem in the world where people are always telling themselves negative things about themselves. Um, and I know looking back that that's what I was doing, you know, in my teenage years. So when you said 18, I'm like, Oh, you know, and, and that was actually, I think I read that book when I was 19 and it just like completely shifted for me. So that's why it like immediately came up. But, um, <laughs> you know, looking back, it's like, if you're saying and speaking, even silently, those were negative words to yourself and you're putting yourself down or, you know, for instance, myself, like I, um, you know, I, I, I coach, you know, I coach people if you want to say life coaching, but it's, you know, from a health and physique perspective is sort of the in that people like find me with. And, you know, I had a lot of physical challenges, you know, myself to, to, to get over, you know, from my childhood. So um, I used to be very negative in my self-talk about my, my body and, um, and my struggles, I believe now, as I've overcome a lot of those things, were directly related to how I was speaking in my self-talk to my body. Mm. So, um, so really, really being cognizant of how you're using your words, because they're powerful, especially way more than the external world or people around you, how you speak to yourself. Be impeccable with those words. Give every cell in your body love and compassion. And what I tell my clients, because a big thing that, that a lot of us, you know, experience is stubborn body fat, you know, so from the physique side of things in the development, you know, most of us have that, you know, most of us aren't blessed with like, you know, even body fat distribution and super lean and just like, Oh, I'm just having my body. I don't got to work on it. So, um, I tell my people to love on their stubborn body fat and not just in terms of their words, but also, um, to touch it, to literally touch your stubborn body fat areas every day. And while you're touching it to express love, because if you think about it, it's the exact opposite of what we do when we um, say negative things to ourselves. Okay. You know, I don't like the, the lower body fat, uh, the lower abdomen uh, fat that I carry around my waistline. So people don't touch it. They hide it. They wear clothes. So, so people can't see it. And whenever they look in the mirror, they look at it with disgust. Mm -hmm. Your cells are listening to you. They don't have ears, but they hear it, I guarantee you. Mm. And when you change that is when those fat cells start to release their toxins and actually start to shrink and get smaller. It's a truly incredible process. But, <laughs> so give yourself the compassion that you deserve, mm. no matter what you've done, no matter you know, what you look like or what you're struggling with have compassion for yourself and be impeccable with your word. Yeah, man. And I love how that example of the stubborn body fat relates back to taking responsibility. It's like, hey, man, you created that. <laughs> Take responsibility for mm -hmm. it too. Uh, awesome, man. Um, okay, so the next one is, uh, what, are, what are some of the most important values that you believe men ought to have? There could be a lot there. So I think right now there's a, and I think we all feel it. Some people are more vocal about it than others. And there's even media attention around it, which is not positive and not helping at all. Um, but there's this imbalance, if you will, between 
masculine and feminine, how things really roll out in the, uh, in the world around us. Um, so, um, I believe that now more than ever, it's really important for uh, men to be of high character um, and to um, live and express ourselves from that place of love that I was talking about, because um, we can easily get into a lot of different characteristics that you know men should hold. But from a keystone perspective, if we really focus on being love, you know, to and that what we just said, being loved to ourselves, and then projecting that to the world around us, then we get to fully exist in our masculine. So I don't, uh, I don't believe that, um, that, you know, I'm a big guy, you know, I've trained my body. Um, you know, I use my size to my advantage, because when people see me, they totally don't think that, you know, the way that I am is going to come out the way that I am. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, the fact is, is that, you know, being a man isn't just about being tough and, you know, being, um, being hard to the world around us and being closed off and, um, you know, just working hard and making money and, you know, and, and paying the bills and, you know, doing all that traditional stuff that I think has been embedded in, in us generation, generation after generation. Um, but, you know, we actually get to, exist and create balance within the masculine and feminine be fully in our masculine by living from a state of love. Mm. So, um, you know, whenever people are experiencing, um, I call them dark energy emotions or dark energy. It's, you know, the standards of depression, anxiety, fear, worry, um, stress, you know, to name the, the major ones. Um, whenever we're feeling those things and we're letting that energy affect how we play in the world around us, then we're not existing in love. We're not showing the world love because we're reacting from that oppression of darkness that's happening to us. So, um, so if there's anything to hold on to in terms of how we exist with the rest of the world, it can very simply be defined as just be love. Mm. <laughs> I love it, man. That's it right there. Be love. Super simple. Um, like Bob Marley said, my man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Well, you know, like I said before, this has been such a riveting conversation. Um, and for anyone who's listening who wants to follow you, know more about you, work with you, because let me tell you guys, Evan is a, a really magical man. Like he, you know, for, he, you know, that you, when you start to look at, when they look at some of your stuff, they're going to see the fitness side of it, the health side of it. But there's so many more layers to who you are, man. So I couldn't endorse you enough. How, how can people follow you, track your journey, connect with you. Sure, sure. Um, well, I appreciate that. I, I really appreciate that, brother. Um, if, uh, if anybody wants to connect, follow, um, you can definitely find me on um, Facebook. Um, the name is Evan Legacy. I think you'll be able to see it here uh, in the podcast for spelling because nobody in my entire life has ever spelled my name correctly or even said it right. Um, on Instagram, um, you can find me under the handle, at least at this point, as Physique Doctor, um, written out, um, which relates to the health and fitness side of things. And, uh, and then uh, the website, um, you can find me at evanlegacy.com. Awesome. And for those of us who, like myself, have probably spelt it wrong already, um, the, all the links for those things will be in the show notes as always. Evan, my man, thank you for taking time uh, out of your day, out of your journeys to be here with us. You, Like I said, I can't reiterate enough, man. Uh, you are a well of wisdom and 
uh, a beaming light. So thank you for being on here on the show. Jetty, thanks for having me, man. I'm looking forward to uh, to reconnecting in any form in the future because I'm just fully aligned with what you're doing, man. I support it 100, percent and uh, and I'm looking forward to engaging with the rest of your audience as well on the uh, on the Facebook group. Right on, brother. Well, you got it. There it is, another powerful episode in the books. Evan is such a powerhouse, man. I really love this conversation with Evan. He's so authentic, so genuine in the way that he speaks. He's been on quite an adventure for the past several months and hearing his story about bringing love and compassion into every opportunity as a remedy for being in our victim story and not taking responsibility for our lives, I think is a really, really unique and powerful perspective to bring to the show. Um, I also really loved listening to how he has taken care of his son and, and been there for his son after the divorce that he's gone through. I know that um, looking in the Facebook group and having communicated with some of you guys directly, I know there's some fathers out there who have sons and daughters uh, that are have been through a divorce, are going through a divorce, are scared that a divorce is on the horizon. So I hope that every one of you men found something powerful to relate to in this episode. And, and I want to hear from you. So make sure that you send your comments, your questions, your thoughts on the episode right over to me. Uh, you can either hit me up on Facebook directly through Messenger. You can hit me up at therisingmanpodcast at gmail.com. You can get my personal jettyzoom at gmail.com. However you want to. I just want to be in the conversation with you guys. And like I mentioned at the top of the episode, if you know you're capable of more, if you have challenges in your life you just don't know how to overcome, please reach out. Facebook, email, it all works. Check out the show notes for links and resources pertaining to this episode over at therisingmanpodcast.com. Subscribe and leave a review for this episode, guys. Please, 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 let's get these numbers up because the more subscriptions, the more reviews that we have on the iTunes apps and on the, all the other apps that you guys are using to listen to the show, the more other men are going to find this resource and get the benefit of it just like you are. And I haven't mentioned this before, but also share the episode with some of your friends. Bring, invite some of your brothers, your, your friends in your life to join the Rising Man Facebook group. There's a couple of men who have brought hordes of their friends into the group and it's really great to see the community branching out into all corners of the world so make sure you share this up and when you leave a review snap a screenshot for me tag it up tag it up send it to me at the rising man podcast at gmail.com and you're going to get a special invitation to an opportunity that's coming up here soon that i haven't announced just yet i'm putting it together it's going to be really awesome for those of you guys who have been really supporting the show commenting leaving reviews letting me know what you think uh, there's going to be a special opportunity coming your way so hang tight um and also make sure you check us out on instagram at the rising man pod and at jetty azuma last but never least shout out to sean offenbach over at less than three records at less than the number three records my man is blowing up right now and for those of you guys who have any uh podcast recording needs if you guys are inspired by this and you want to start your own show Reach out to Sean, man, because he is a wizard. He is a master at what he does, master of his craft. Thank you, Sean, for always being such a rock that makes these episodes so fire. Until next time, everybody out there, rise up and claim your destiny.